0: Good morning. My name is Eva Larson. This morning our scripture reading is from the book of John. We are in a mini-sermon series called Amen. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading John 4, 4-18 from the New International Version. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. My name is Peter. I am one of the pastors here. Glad to be with you all here on Labor Day weekend. Um, I wrote two very intentional jokes uh, in this sermon, and if you have heard this joke, these jokes from me or anybody else, please don't give it away. I've worked very hard on setting it up. Now that the important thing is out of the way. Uh, Also, another uh, little note is that uh, you may have noticed that my sermons have been a little bit closer to 30 minutes the last few weeks. Yeah, that's intentional. And so I have decided to name 30 minutes as the sun around which I like to try to orbit. And so uh, just to adjust your expectations... There, Help me work towards that. Charles Spurgeon said not every, min- not every sermon has to be 20 minutes, but every sermon should feel like 20 minutes. And so hopefully uh, the 30 will be 20 for us. Okay. Uh, we are in a series, as Eva said, in a sermon that we are calling, I mean a series that we are calling Amen. And the word amen or amen literally means so be it or let it be. And we say that after things, uh, when we hear something we agree with, or after we pray. And that's not to put a disclaimer on it. It's not us saying, I don't care. But what it's saying is, I'm tired of caring all on my own. So what I'd really like is for a higher power to come alongside me and care about this thing that I just have petitioned for with me. Care about this with me. And as Christians, people who follow Christ, we say, in Jesus' name, meaning Jesus, come care about this with me. I care about this a lot, and I have brought it before you. I've articulated it. I've confessed it. But I don't trust myself all that entirely. And so I want to say that what you care about and how you see it, uh, I want that to be the final word on this. So be it, according to your will. And that's uh, the idea of amen. A significant part of this idea of uh, amen involves this uh, practice of what we're going to today call Acceptance. Accept. What does it mean to accept something? What does it mean to practice acceptance? Um, I think if I think about my life, there's sort of a phase one and a phase two. And between phase one and phase two, there was a significant breakthrough, a huge Uh, change in the way my life felt to me, and it was like this, I would say it this way, I came to terms with my own love needs. I began to understand just how extremely needy I am if I really am honest about it. Underneath some of the frivolity and the uh, you know, endeavors and all the strivings in my life, there were some deep, deep needs that I carried. And I began to see that I am placing this incredible, incredible burden on others when I come to them. Whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a moment or a situation, I bring into that microcosm, the whole of my sort of conscious needs and unconscious needs. I want to be fully embraced and loved and made to feel secure. I want promises and guarantees. I want connection and intimacy. I mean, it is a lot to ask of an exchange at the cash register. But this is who I am. And so my whole life, prior to this realization, season of realizing this, are just sort of missed expectations. Here I am in this one exchange. I hope to experience eternity in this very finite moment. And scriptures tell us this, that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And in these finite moments, I'm trying to extract infinity. Now, do you relate to that at all? If you are honest with yourself, I don't only see this in myself, but I see this in people all around me. I realize that this year I celebrated 18 years in uh, pastoral ministry. I can't believe that because I, in my mind, look 18. (laughs) And being a pastor, I have been on the receiving end. Of a lot of needs and a lot of transference. And people are looking to me and at me. And they want something from me. Sometimes it feels unbearable, the eternity that's being extracted from me. I'll give you a story just from this past week. okay? About how hard it is being a pastor to you all. Um, (laughs) The other day, this week, a person called me demanding... Okay, this is true story that I drop everything immediately and listen to them. So I was on the phone for a while, and I reminded them very, you know, I think appropriately that it was my day off, and it's always my day off, and so I'd really like to end the conversation as soon as possible. But they insisted this was an emergency and asked me out to lunch. So we went out to lunch. I didn't have the heart to say no, and then after lunch, they wanted to say hi to my kids. So they insisted that they come over my house. This is a true story. They came over to my house. And the whole time there, I was trying to sort of, you know, encourage them towards the door. And then they started making me feel guilty about that, how I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to love them and all of this. And then I had to drive them home. They didn't have a ride. So I drove all the way to where they live, dropped them off, and hours later, I'm still feeling resentful. I said, you know, i got to get this off my chest. So I called them on the phone and said, Mom, I love you. <laughs> Isn't that a good joke? <laughs> <sighs> okay, we have two points today. <laughs> what acceptance is not and what acceptance is, okay? What acceptance is not, what acceptance is, and then some application points, and then um, call it a sermon. All right, what acceptance is not. Let's start with verse uh, 15 here. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband, And come back. I have a problem with acceptance. Acceptance is a really challenging concept for me. Uh, Part of it is that they don't teach acceptance in business school or combat school. It's sort of like this soft category. You know, it kind of is like the word for. When you hug somebody, what are you doing? You're embracing them. You're hugging them. You're taking them on just as they are. And you're implying, is what I feel, you're implying that you're fine. And I just feel like nobody's fine. How can you possibly be fine? And if I embrace you, then I'm sort of conveying to you that you're good just as you are. And I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that for me and for people around me. But I do see it sort of as this great thing that I want for myself. I long to be accepted. It's part of that eternal need that I bring before all of you and all the other people in my life. I want to be accepted. And I know if I can practice acceptance towards others, they will love it too. And I know they would feel so met, like their needs would feel met. They would feel seen and cared for. And they would feel the love of God through my acceptance of them. So on the other hand, it's this very soft thing. And I don't want to just do the soft thing. You know, I want to be able to say, no, 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 everything is not okay. You know, things aren't just all all pluralistic and whatever you think is fine is fine and whatever I think is fine is fine and make that doesn't work for me. So I feel torn up about it because it is this soft thing, but on the other hand, I want it so badly. And I think we get a hint of how Jesus handles this whole acceptance thing here. Here we have this woman. This is a Samaritan woman. I'm not going to go into the history of it too much. But let's just summarize it by saying that this woman has been thirsty for love and acceptance her whole life. She's wanted this so badly. Later on, we learn that she's been married five times. Back in Jesus' time, there was never a single woman that's ever initiated divorce. That wasn't even allowed. You could not initiate divorce because women were considered property back in those days. Only a man could initiate divorce. So if she's been married five times and the man she's living with now is not her husband, what does that mean? It means she's been rejected, divorced, Five times. And I don't know what the situation is with this sixth man, but she's not married to him. Maybe she's pushing back on the idea of marriage. Maybe she's afraid of getting hurt again or being made, making herself vulnerable again. She's been abandoned at least five times. And everybody else in her life has rejected her. They've label, labeled her and have, they've boxed her in. They've rejected her. They have judged her. They have condemned her. And here, a man is not supposed to talk to a woman in broad daylight. Here they are having a conversation. A woman is not supposed to draw water for a man, a rabbi. She's a Samaritan and Jews don't. There's so many boundaries being crossed here. How? Why is Jesus doing this? We get this picture of a God who refuses to judge her the way the world has judged her. And he's able to completely embrace her. He accepts her just as she is. But, but he says in verse 16, go call your husband and come back. And here, Jesus is beginning to reveal who he truly is, that he is the Savior, the Messiah, and she needs to be saved. So it's not just that he embraces her, but he's almost setting her up for salvation. And so here is what we see, that true acceptance is never just acceptance. Okay? So what acceptance is not? It is not one. It's not passivity. Two, it's not escapism. It's not something we do as a way not to deal with reality. It's not a mind trick. It's not us just telling ourselves something good is happening. It's not resignation. It's not somebody giving up, and so they just accept. They're tired of something. They've been defeated by something, so they just accept. It's not avoidance. It's not non-change, because clearly Jesus here is going after change. He's going after fundamental life change. It's not weakness, because Jesus certainly isn't weak. It's not just Jesus being soft. It's not Jesus being fearful of confrontation. And I want to tell you that I fear acceptance for these reasons. That it's really hard for me to accept people because I fear that if I accept somebody, then maybe I'm just engaging in passivity or escapism or I'm giving up or I'm being avoidant or I'm communicating non-change or I'm just being weak or soft or I'm fearful of confrontation. None of those things are happening here with Jesus and this woman. So point number one, acceptance are, is none of these things okay then what is acceptance we're already on point two do you like the sun we're orbiting around okay verse 17 to 18 says this this is her response i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true Here's the first thing that acceptance is. Acceptance is the door to change. In our minds, I think we intuitively think that change and acceptance are opposite things. But what we see in scripture is that acceptance is the only way change can actually happen. Because it's not change until it happens on a heart level. If God just changes my behavior because he sets up a rule or some system of punishment, he threatens me with something, and he's able to modify my behavior or contain me, then am I changed? I think the answer is no. No. What would get me to actually change? What's the first step that has to be taken in order for me to engage in what would lead to real permanent transformation? Jesus said that darkness hates the light. What would cause darkness to love the light? A big fat hug, that's what. (laughs) I need somebody to say, I accept you. Come, it's safe. It's God saying to me, Peter, I'm the best resource you have. If I cut myself off from you and wait until you change before I accept you, then you're never going to change. Furthermore, if you're afraid of me, you're never going to let your guard down. You're going to always stay hidden. You're never going to fess up. You're never going to come clean. How can you possibly begin to change until you feel safe with me? And it's not just that you feel safe and then you come. You have to also have hope in order to come to me. So it's not just that I feel safe with God, but I also have to believe that once I am safe, he's actually helpful. If he's not actually helpful, forget God. I'll just go hang out at a bar. I feel very safe there. Nobody's going to judge me there. But then what? I don't want to stay stuck. I don't want to stay unhappy. I don't want to stay sad and broken and hurt and defeated and unable to enjoy life. I want to be healed. I want to be made better. That's actually what helps me to feel safe, that somebody's able to do that. But the first step that has to be taken is acceptance. We don't want just safety. We also want holy, safe and holy. By the way, on September 14th, we'll be starting a new series that we're going to call Safe and Holy. And I think we're going to go for maybe 10 to uh, 12 weeks on that. And so uh, look forward to that. I think it's going to be really, really fun. And we're going to get into some really good stuff that I hope is life-giving. And I think many of you will experience uh, as a lifeline uh, in your life. And so here uh, is what we have. That acceptance, first of all, is the door through which transformation happens. It's the only door. So husbands, if you want your wives to change... It's not criticism that's going to help. It's not the withholding of love that's going to help. It's actually going to be full, unhold, just, just no holds barred acceptance. Believing, having the vision that this is the only way change can actually happen. It is a step of faith. Cause, help, create the space for somebody to feel safe. And then see what confessions begin to flow. Instill fear in somebody and see if they confess anything. Acceptance is a means. This is a piece of theology that's been really uh, enlightening for me, but I want to put it in sort of a stark way. Okay, just so you don't forget, God does not ever just accept us. God doesn't just accept us. God accepts us as a way to help us become acceptable. You are not okay just as you are. I hear preachers say this all the time and I just cringe. God does not just accept us just as we are. We are not delightful. We are not lovely. We are not fine. We are sinners, there's darkness sinners, we are wicked, and we are capable of more evil than any of us would ever want to see displayed. We are. You have to come to terms with this. But God embraces us in that state so that he can help us become the righteous people, the holy people, the healed people that he's created us to be acceptance leads to the work of God primarily carried out and made possible through the cross, which leads to us becoming acceptable. You are not acceptable. This is the thing. I am not acceptable. No way. Do not let the world tell you that. Do not let false preachers tell you that. That's not what scripture teaches. If we were, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Nothing magic happened to you just because Jesus died. He made a way. And in faith, we accept Christ as our Savior. And then the Holy Spirit comes in us and begins to transform us, giving us a foretaste, a deposit of the things to come. Right now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. This tension is real. You know why you hate yourself sometimes? Because you should. (laughs) You know why you're sad and down about yourself? Because there's truth to that. And in the midst of that, you find hope in some power beyond yourself. And we have named that power as the Son of God, the one and only Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. There's no good news without that bad news. A story and my second joke. And if you've heard this, do not give this away. So there's a fundamental difference between men and women. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Now, in general, and I just heard this again, um, and it's not just a Christian male chauvinist perspective, because I heard this on a TED Talk, and that's pretty legit, right? Culturally speaking, it's broad. Okay. So I, I, I was reminded again, which was reminding me about this joke, that... Uh, men and women are fundamentally different. And in general, statistically speaking, women desire to change their uh, groom more than the groom desire to change their bride. And so a little girl, okay, even from when she's a little girl, she's always thinking about her wedding day. Just she wants to get married. She dreams about her prince. And so she thinks about the aisle that she's going to walk down. She thinks about the altar where she's going to stand before, and she thinks about him, her man. She thinks about the aisle. She thinks about the altar. She thinks about him. She thinks about, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. (laughs) And ladies, here's what I want to tell you. It's absolutely biblical (laughs) if you're a God. Okay. Second thing that acceptance is, therefore, is acceptance is penultimate. You know what that means? It means it's a second to the last thing. Acceptance is not the gospel. Acceptance is what allows us to experience the power of the gospel. Because God accepts us, we're able to step into his work. We're able to say, yes, God, come into my life and change me. Cleanse me. Heal me. I'm not afraid of you because you love me. You accept me just as I am. Okay, so acceptance is penultimate, not the ultimate. What's happening between us and God is what I would, uh, the metaphor I would use is the word improv. Anybody know what improv is? Improv is the art of saying yes and. Yes And It's not just saying yes. That's the acceptance part. There's an and part. So when you say yes in improv theater, you're not saying everything that just happened is perfect. We're not going to leave it just the way it is. I'm going to say yes to it, meaning I'm going to enter into that moment, but I'm going to add something to it. I'm going to change it. That's yes and Uh, So, this week's sermon uh, is the uh, idea of acceptance is actually the idea of yes. And then next week is going to be the full improv. We're going to do adapt, which is the uh, and part. And uh, we have an actor in our midst, Dave Selvig. Uh, He's a bonafide, like, actor, Okay, he's done movies, he's done theater, and so we, we have, uh, I've um, asked him to come and give us a five-minute lesson next week on what improv is. They're going to do a little improv acting for us, so you won't want to miss that next week. But acceptance is penultimate, meaning God saying, yes, I receive you, Peter. I embrace you. And now you're mine. Okay? Acceptance is penultimate. And... Okay, this is deep. Acceptance is an antidote to shame. Uh, Dr. Brene Brown, who's probably the uh, c- currently the most popular authority on this idea of shame, uh, she has researched shame, and she defines shame this way. She says, shame is the fear of disconnection. That when you do something... When you uh, do something bad, you feel guilt about it, and I did something bad, and then it starts shifting to, I am bad. And then you fear that if this thing about you gets known, then people are going to abandon you. People won't just reject your act, but they will reject you, and so that's what shame is. And uh, another um, researcher, Gershon Kaufman from Michigan State, uh, says this about shame. Uh, Let me read it for us. To feel shame is to feel seen in a painfully diminished sense. To feel exposed to both itself and to anyone else present. It is this sudden unexpected feeling of exposure and accompanying self-consciousness that characterize the essential nature of the effect of shame. Contained in the experience of shame is the piercing awareness of ourselves as fundamentally deficient in some vital way as a human being. How many of you have felt shame before? All of us, yeah? That feeling of shame, that's normal. We're supposed to feel that because we are deficient. This is why we come to church, to hear the good news of a Savior who took on our shame. And takes our shame from us. And so, us feeling shame, that's normal. We should be feeling that 24 7 because we have very good, truthful, legitimate reasons why we should be shameful. And on top of that, we should be shameful for the ways we don't feel shame when we should we have lots of reasons why we should be so embarrassed and just cringe at ourselves and just run away from each other because we really should. And then we have this Savior who loves us and cares for us. And this is why acceptance is so important because here this woman is feeling shame. You know, and Jesus in this imp- is in this improv dance with her, you notice like she just is throwing stuff at him and he just is able to use everything that she says to him. He doesn't say no to anything. He says, yes, and go call your husband. Yes, and give me some water. Amazing improv uh, ministry here Jesus is doing. But all of that to say to her, you really do have a reason why you should be ashamed. You are filled with needs that are eternal, and no finite man has ever met them. And here you are, an addict. You are unable to save yourself. And the only place you are going to get living water is from me. I will cover you. I will satisfy your thirst. But he's able to do that because he accepts her. Here's what acceptance is. Acceptance is when you are are confronted with a situation or a person. And instead of being threatened by it, you come to it and you say, tell me about that. What's really going on? Let's talk. I'm your friend. You know, this is why dating was always so hard for me because... I hated dating because by definition, you know what dating is? Dating is a perpetual state of evaluation. (laughs) I wanted the steel cage match of marriage where nobody could abandon me no matter what they discovered. (laughs) Nothing else helped me to feel safe. You can ask Susie. Just months into our dating relationship, I was talking about marriage. In fact, two months into our dating relationship. I couldn't stand the weight of evaluation because I knew my shame was legitimate and I was not sure this person was willing to sit with me and say, tell me about that. And here Jesus literally is sitting going, tell me about that. Jesus' love, acceptance does not see less but it actually sees more. It's willing and wanting to see the whole story. It's beautiful. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is God saying, come to the throne just as you are. Come, all of you, just come. And there, once you're already accepted, once you're already at the throne, there, you're going to receive the resources to help you. Because, yeah, you do need help. You're right about that. But first come. But first come. So application points and then conclusion here. The first uh, application point is this. Consider Acceptance. If you are not somebody that's prone to acceptance, like me, I'm sort of a critic by nature. I'm cynical. I want to kick the tire. Okay, I need to do that. I will see the glass as half empty. I will also see smudges on the glass, and you know, criticize the shape of the. It's just I'm I'm just uh, uh, that kind of guy. And there's a flip side to that. There's some positives to that, but acceptance doesn't come natural. But the life-changing sort of uh, shift for me as I started with today is that I had to embrace acceptance as a really powerful door in life. There's no way I can get to the place where I want to make things better until I accept first. So consider acceptance as a normal default for yourself. Learn to accept people when you're talking. When you're at church, when you come to a situation, in a job, if you have employees that aren't performing, consider acceptance. Sit down with them. Ask them what's going on. Invite them into a relationship so that you can be actually a resource to them if, in fact, they do need to change. But cutting yourself off from the onset isn't going to be helpful to them, is it? So consider it. Second, Accept God's acceptance. This is sort of a tricky one, but this is really helpful for me. Understand this, that you are not the final authority on acceptability. Who made you the judge over everybody else? Anybody just apply for that license and got it? No. No. It's God who does the accepting. It's God who is the judge. It's for His eyes we live and move and have our being. Who cares what I think? Ultimately, who cares? Nobody cares. Because I'm not nobody. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just a fellow servant like everyone else. And He, God, has a sense of timing and He's filled with love and wisdom and power. He's working. He's working, and our job is to come into that work, be improv, improv mode, and say, yes, and how can I help? What's my role here? Um, I have a resource here, but I won't go into that. Okay. Third application point is stay. Okay, let me ask you this question. Does it help to put the relationship on the line? You know, I love, like, movies. I love, I love, love, love movies and shows and just drama. I love it. Spend a lot of my time on it. But one thing I really don't like is how conversations end so abruptly in the movies. People just walk out of conversations all the time. They just would say something, walk out. I'm like, oh, just talk. Why, why not clear it up? It would just take 30 seconds. But we do this all the time. I know on some level that the only, the best weapon I have is abandonment. And I will use it. I will use it to get my way, to communicate something with my kids, with my wife, with you all. I just, I just use abandonment all day long. And really, how many times in my life does putting the relationship on the line or threatening abandonment actually help? I really don't think it's helped yet. It has not discouraged me from using it. <laughs> I keep thinking it will help this time. I will somehow, in tone or word and body language or in lack of communication or something, I'm going to communicate that that was unpleasing to me. And I might be out. Out. Jury's still out on whether I'm coming back or not. Fascinating. I'm so dumb. I never learn. But that's what I do. I want to read this as our conclusion here. It's Romans chapter 14, I've uh, spliced together some verses for time's sake, and I put one final verse on here I want to end with, but let me read you the few verses before it, and then I will pray, and the sermon will be done, okay? "'Except him, accept him who is weak in faith, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables.' The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason Christ died and returned to life so that we he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. You then, why do you judge your brother, or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, "As surely as I live," says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this, I think, really... Uh, helpful and powerful truth and it rings true for me even as I share it again with this church. I pray God that you would uh, allow us to experience your acceptance in our life and that same acceptance we can extend to others around us without fear, without feeling threatened, without being uh, afraid that it's going to communicate something else. Allow us to fully engage in people around us and not put the relationship on the line, knowing that acceptance is the door through which you change all of us. Allow us to say yes to each other and to you. Because we know there is more life to come. There is joy and healing and uh, all the good things you have in store for us on the other side of this door. So we trust you with ourselves and we trust you with our relationships. We thank you for the gospel which saves us all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.